0: Hallelujah! Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah! Grace and peace to you from above. Amen. My friends, let's begin with the end in mind. It's a good place to start with the end in mind, that is. When we start with the end in mind, we know what we are aiming for, where we are going, the reason as to why we are heading in a certain direction. Any teacher knows what the end product, the student, is to look like. Not only at the end of the school year, but at the beginning of the school year as well. Or how about a company or an organization? They too start with the end in mind. This is why companies or organizations are able to have goals laid out, vision or mission statements made. Goals and vision statements help guide not only the leadership of the company or organization but give guidelines to the employees so that they feel confident their gifts and skills are of value to the end product. Or finally, think of a novelist. A novelist has the end of the story in mind way before they begin a pen and put it to paper. Can you imagine someone like a mystery novelist not knowing who done it before the story was written? No. By starting with the end in mind, teachers teach to a goal. Leaders of organizations lead to a mission. Novelists write to a conclusion. So it is with God. When God created, God began with the end in mind. That end was simply to dwell in His creation the creation of the good things of the earth, with his creation, the very good human beings of Adam and Eve, and to have the love between the Father and the Son be the, be the uniting force behind the entire, entire production. Alas, sad to say, a snake came into the garden, into the creation And the next thing you know, the humans decide to go in a different direction, causing much chaos instead of living within that community. And so God set about at a rescue mission to save His good creation, the earth, the humans, and the love shared between all. In the process of that rescue mission, God decided humans would be the main actors, From Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to Joseph and his 12 brothers to Moses, the kings and the prophets, and then eventually God became one of us. And the fully God, fully man, Jesus, completed the rescue mission, rescuing us from sin and death. Jesus' own death and resurrection then not only saved us from sin and death, but opened the doors up once again, between Creator and creation, so that the love between them may once again flow. Jesus' death and resurrection also led to the enabling of that love to flow once again from human to human. I find it both curious and interesting that from our gospel reading this morning, at the Last Supper, after Judas had gone out, Jesus said to his disciples, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You see, the author of not only the book, the Bible, but the author of life as well, had the end in mind when it was all begun. That was to have the love from above shared with the humans below to then be shared between each other. And for many, this was the end of the story that Jesus loves me and I love Jesus. And at the end of my story, I will simply fly away and be with Jesus in heaven forever and ever. But not so fast. There was still some rescuing to be done and jesus left that mission up to the humans by telling us to bring the message of god's love to all the world making disciples and there were a few other matters such as rescuing the good earth back from sin as well as the little matter of dealing with the source of evil to begin with satan and his angels and so, this Easter season, for our second reading of the morning, we have been reading from the last book of the Bible, the Apocalypse, the Apocalypse of John, better known as the Book of Revelation. Last week, our reading was from chapter 7 of Revelation, and this week we jump all the way up to chapter 21 of the Book of Revelation. Now, a whole lot of stuff happens Within chapters 8 to 20. And that stuff is mostly about the church living in new creation in great conflict with the old creation and its leader, you know who, the serpent from chapter 3 of Genesis. And in those chapters of Revelation from 8 to 20, the church undergoes much trial and tribulation. But in the end, evil is dealt with finally and fully, which then brings us to the end of the book, but not necessarily to the end of the story. For the end of the book describes for us what is going on now and what will happen in days yet to come. What is yet to come is described for us in today's second reading from Revelation chapter 1. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. Now the first thing I want us to notice in this reading are the words, The sea was no more. (laughs) I love the sea. I love what is in the sea. Are you telling me that in the new heaven and the new earth there is to be no water? No lakes? No rivers, no streams, no sea. Rest assured, fellow seafarers, these words are not a forecast describing the aquatics of the new heaven and the new earth. In the Bible, the sea or the waters are symbols or signs of the presence of chaos. Think of the first few sentences of Genesis. It reads, In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, The earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Have you ever been in a boat on rough seas? That is what is being described here. The Hebrew words for deep and waters alert us to the fact that out of the chaotic darkness of the waters, God spoke And God created think also of the waters which faced the Israelites upon their departure from slavery in Egypt they were forced to travel through the chaos of the Red Sea think then also of the Israelites crossing of the Jordan River to enter into the promised land and then finally think of Jesus with the fishermen in the boat when the Sea of Galilee rose up in tempest storm We, too, come through the waters of baptism, out of death into new life. In the Bible, water is usually a sign of chaos and confusion. Yet in the new heaven and the new earth, the Bible tells us that the sea is no more. The chaos of the old world, the old life, has been destroyed, making way now for the new heaven and the new earth. If you're wondering what happened to that chaos, chapters 8 to 20 of Revelation, tell us how God dealt with that evil. However, another sermon for another day. The second thing I want us to notice are the words, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, and they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. From the beginning of Genesis, it has been said, Uh, it has been God's desire to dwell with his people. It's what the seventh day of creation is all about. We all know that after six days of creation, after six days of God creating this beautiful world, this beautiful garden, and in the center of the garden, the image of God standing in the form of the human beings, after six days, the author of the book tells us that God rested with his people. Now, what that doesn't mean is that God took a nap or watched a football game or sat around and ate chips and salsa. No, it means that God dwelt with his people. It was why God created, to share the love between the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit with creation. And so in the new heaven and new earth of Revelation, with the removal of the sea, God is now able to rest, or in the words of Revelation, dwell with his peoples, and God himself will be with them. A third thing I'd like us to notice is, is that this dwelling of God is going to happen in the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Now, some of you listening to me today will say, <laughs> I don't like cities. Cities are way too congested, too much of a dirty place. It's fresh air for me. I prefer open spaces, room between houses. Now again, think of the image of the city like the image of no more sea. It's not a forecasting of a city plan, but it is more to tell us that we will be dwelling with God amongst the community of all the believers think of the tower of babel how the humans had intended to build a city by themselves up to heaven in this case god brings the city from heaven down to the earth for his peoples to live together in unity in community with each other and so without chaos within community God's desire is to dwell with his peoples. What kind of an atmosphere will be found in this new heaven and new earth? Well, let's look at the fourth thing of importance in these few words. The holy city, the new city of Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, is prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The final chapters of the final book of the Bible have us at a wedding feast. What it is saying is that God loves us like a bride and her groom. Again, think of the first wedding in the Bible. It was a great wedding because Eve didn't have to say yes to the dress. No, God had Adam not only name all of the animals, but God had Adam look for a suitable mate to walk through creation with. None was to be found amongst the created beasts. So God created Eve from the rib of the man. Thus, two halves creating one whole. And they looked at each other naked, yet felt no shame. Think of Jesus at the wedding feast in Cana, where he performed his first sign. New wine and more wine than ten wedding parties could drink. And now, here in the final chapters of the final book, we see the new heaven, the new earth, without chaos, with God dwelling in the midst of his people, loving his people like a groom for his bride. It is a wedding feast. Finally, I'd like us to see this, that God himself will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. My friends, God, our God, will dwell with us, hold us, love us. God, our God, will wipe away every tear from our eyes. God knows you. God knows of your pains. God knows of death. Yet in the end, God, our God, makes all things new and will wipe away every tear from our eye. Now here's the really good news. We don't have to wait for the future for this reality. Jesus' death and resurrection from the grave not only saved us from our sin and conquered death, but Jesus' resurrection inaugurated this new creation, this new reality of heaven and earth. You see, Jesus, the fully God, fully man, now resurrected in bodily form and Savior of the world, this Jesus desires the kingdom of God to be a present reality for us here on this earth. Jesus brings us a new life, new creation. The old things are gone, the new is come. For those who allow Jesus to dwell in their midst, Jesus says, Peace be still to the chaotic waters of life. Jesus says, Fill up the empty stone jars. At the wedding feast of our lives Jesus says follow me and I will make you fishers of people that is God's plan these are God's purposes and so as we begin today with the end in mind let us now live our lives with the spirit of the Living God dwelling within us let us live our lives in peace In the midst of the chaos of this world, let us no longer live our lives eating the old bread with leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And most importantly, beginning with the end in mind, let us remember Jesus' words from the Last Supper. A new commandment I give you, love one another. For the whole world will know we are Jesus's as we love one another. Amen.